Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Thursday's edition of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am tonight's host, Gary Cocker, and I'm joined by Kirkcaldy's finest, the one, the only Sean McGuigan. Hello there. Hi, Sean. Um, I, I think for the listeners, I mean, Holly and Phil actually ruined this intro. I was going to say this a bit like when they get in the substitute hosts on this morning. I feel like this is really a, a Craig Telfer and Sean McGuigan production. But Holly and Phil are on not at all. Not at all. You have been, uh, you have been sucked into the quagmire that is a lower leagues, and it's uh, it's, uh, it's very good to have you here. Yes, and I, I, I get actually, actually, no, it's actually it's more enjoyable to have Dundee here. I suppose that's what I really mean. I feel like a very muddy yo-yo because I keep coming down, getting covered in stuff, going back up, but only briefly. Um, I uh, I don't think you're going back up this season. We'll get there, Sean. We'll get there. Let's not ruin everything for our dear listeners. Um, tonight we are going to go over what we think are some of the. The biggest or most interesting storylines or potential storylines in the lower leagues this season. So we will be doing a whistle-stop tour across the Championship, League 1 and League 2. Um, and we promise to keep this under four hours, not least because um, it's my fault we're starting this quite late. And I don't want poor Sean to be up into the small hours. Do you know something? It's absolutely fine. I, well, I, that's true. Uh, I am... I am. I do. I do like an early night these days. Uh, however, uh, Scotland never scored against Austria, so that's. Uh, so I'm quite happy. There we go. Great success. Uh, we're all on our way, including, if I may start, Partick Thistle, potentially. Um, I think it, it would be remiss of us to uh, chat a little bit about the lower leagues without picking up on the team that is currently jogging away with it at the top of the championship. Oh, uh, would you say jogging? No. No. No, um, no I mean, I, I remember like kind of when we spoke about the championship in general, uh, before the season started, I, I was still of the opinion that 
sorry, I was of the opinion at that point that Dundee had the best squad on paper. Uh, we will get to Dundee uh, in, in due course. We will. I thought if anybody was going to be able to contend with them, it would be it would be Patrick Thistle. I thought they had a I thought they had a good squad. Whether it was good as Dundee's, I, I wasn't a hundred percent certain. But even but I, I remember I did say that that opening game against Dundee was was going to tell us quite a bit because like I did think if Dundee if Dundee run away with that or or, or won it reasonably convincingly. And it would be difficult to see anybody being able to challenge Dundee this season. Bear in mind at that point, it still felt that Dundee had some weaknesses, but they still had time to address them, I suppose. Whereas it looked like Patrick Thistle had probably done the vast majority of their business. Patrick Thistle beat Dundee in the opening day of the season. And I have had some, I've had a couple of games this season against teams in the bottom five where they've dropped points. I've off the top of my head, I think drew against Hamilton and I'm fairly certain drew against Cove Rangers recently as well. Uh, which probably isn't what you would expect from a team that is attempting to to win the league because I, I'm starting to suspect that, that this season's championship will be similar to last season's in terms of there being five or maybe a couple of decent teams, three half decent teams and five really, really bad teams. Yeah. Uh, so so to drop to drop four points from, from teams that you would Expect Patrick to be isn't ideal from a, a winning the league perspective. However, that game against Morton, I, I thought at the weekend told you a lot. Not just in terms of performance, they, they, they probably started reasonably poorly. Robbie Muirhead scored an absolute, an absolute humdinger. But then after that, Patrick Thistle ran over the top of them. And then you look at, and I'm not, I'm actually not looking at, at Patrick Thistle's start 11 here, but I'm looking at who they had on their subspension Saturday. So they had, uh, don't get me wrong, I, I don't know if there's that much between uh, Mitchell and, and Jamie Steadon in terms of a goalkeeper, but Jamie Steadon has experience at this level and can be okay. But then they had uh, Tunji Akinola, who again started last season very well, kind of faded a bit, but then they've got like Kyle Turner, who I really like. He came off the bench. Uh, Aidan Fitzpatrick, who I quite like, didn't come off the bench. Scott Tiffany came off the bench and scored. Tony Wesson, whose appearances have been reasonably fleeting and unusually for a young Rangers uh, loan player, appears to be okay, but he didn't get off the bench. Anton Dowds came off the bench and scored. Danny Mullen came off the bench. Like, actually, now when you're comparing the two squads, Patrick Thistle and Dundee, I think Patrick Thistle might have the most, certainly the most strength and depth, Certainly in terms of, if you're looking at a squad of 18 to 20, certainly more players in form. And although I wouldn't like to, I wouldn't necessarily like to, to stick my neck on the line and say Patrick Thistle will win the championship at this moment in time. And, and based on all the evidence that we've seen so far, they're the front runners, I would, I would suggest. And I think if you look at the, as you say, if you're looking at the squad, if you're looking at the starting 11, obviously they brought on Harry Milne, from Cove Rangers, uh, who was a you know highly touted hot prospect, he seems to have settled into the squad really well. Stephen Lawless seems to have started the season exceptionally well for them as well. As you say, they've got particularly up top. You know, if you've got Brian Graham, Anton Dowd, and Danny Mullen that you can flick between, essentially, then you're probably looking at having a, a pretty solid, you know, options up top. Um, but equally. The further back you go as well, the more experience that there is there. And I think if we're comparing it to Dundee squad, who sadly I know inside out, there's <laughs> not as much experience there. 
Um, you know, it is the, the average age of the Dundee squad is down at about 21, 22. Whereas you look through that part of the Thistle squad, you've still got Stuart Bannigan there, you've got Stephen Wallace, you've got Brian Graham, you've got Kevin Holt at the back as well. You know, you've got players who've been there and done it and you would think that would sand Thistle in good stead. Um, even the, the off the pitch stuff that's happening, my, of course, I would never hope for a team to, to suffer and capitulate. But uh, from a selfish point of view, my hope was <laughs> that the, the, the sort of furore, the ongoing, you know, sort of mild but furious um, reaction to what has happened with the, the ownership of the club hasn't affected the players in the way that I think some people thought it would. And this will just, as you say, um, the way that they dismantled a Greenock Morton team that isn't really one that has been dismantled. I, I don't um, get me wrong. No, no, you're right. I mean, Morton haven't been uh, taken apart by anybody this season. They're not very good. I mean, they're not, <laughs> they're not very good. But you're right. They've not been smashed by anybody. And that, I mean, it was 5-1. It could have been more than 5-1. It was a really good performance. Uh, you, you talk about Brian Graham. I always like to dwell on Brian Graham when he gets mentioned on the podcast. I, I've always been a fan of him. And I, I did read a start on uh, on Pine Bottle today. I haven't, I haven't checked, double-checked it, to be fair. Which maybe not true, but it says that he has been involved in he may involved in twelve out of thirteen goals, or maybe twelve out of the last thirteen goals for for Patrick this the season. That might be a load of rubbish, but regardless, I'm going to take I, it as fact. Because I like to know like what him. involvement means. Was he just standing in the general area when? The... Well, well I, I I presumed it meant either scored it or assisted it, uh, yeah. or, or or maybe maybe they looked at Y Scout and it, it said something about a secondary assist. Maybe they went back to that secondary assist to, to X keychain. Uh, to get to get him in a dozen. Uh, I I don't know. But listen, I, I think he's he's generally been underappreciated. Uh, I, I'm I'm not saying I'm not saying he, he could have carved a career out for himself in, in the Premiership, but I, I just think certainly at this level and even at this age, he's a he's a brilliant striker and he would he would get a good I mean obviously it goes without saying he's playing for Patrick Thistle, but like if he was leading the line for Dundee, mm, that changes things. I did hear a rumour that Dundee had apparently tried to sign him in the summer, which would actually have been quite an entertaining signing because there would inevitably have been fans going, he used to play for United, um, which we've very quickly forgotten about with, for example, Paul McMullen, and we forgot about that with Tommy Coyne going back many, many years. Um, and it's something we probably could have got over, given that we still don't have a number nine. Um, just finally on part of Thistle, getting very far ahead of ourselves, if they did get promoted, how much of an overhaul do you think they would need for the Premiership? Because I, I always look at the teams that go up and think, well, you know, maybe give them a chance and see if they can actually pull something together. But realistically, they do probably still need to strengthen fairly uh... significantly. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. You would imagine a good bit. Like I, 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 like I do look at that squad and think, that is a good championship team. Do I look at that squad and think, hmm, that's a premiership team that could stay up. Uh, I don't know. But then there is that bit where 
uh, a team that is that's had a successful season and is used to winning can kind of carry that on for a bit. But no, I, I suppose you're still look at like, so I mean, literally, we're, we're talking about Brian Graham. You know, I'm <laughs> talking about Brian Graham being a, a kind of talisman for them. Will he be a talisman in a fellowship? No. So, so listen, they, they probably will need, probably will need about six or maybe maybe five or six, but genuine starters rather than rather than just squad players. Uh, so no, they, they need a bit of an overhaul. I, I still wonder about Ian McCall in terms of in terms of getting them promoted. I'm, I've never been. I think he's okay. I've, I've never been quite as enamoured by Ian McCall as how good a manager he is than, than maybe some others. But but, but we'll see. Another team um, that sadly we'll have to wait and see about is my own Dundee Football Club. I mean, there's. Do, do we have to wait and see? Do, do we have to wait and see in terms of the year, or can we just? We signed Derek O'Say y'all today, and that is going to be the, the, the signing that changed our season. Have, yeah, you, um, have, have, you, have you Googled him? I have. Um, he used to be a teammate of Killian and Bathy. So. <laughs> you Googled his so, club career. Have you Googled his senior club career? That isn't a player that's going to be playing with Mbappe again anytime soon. You say that, but, you know, stranger things have happened, Sean. Stranger things. No, no, nothing stranger would ever have happened because he can't score for anybody. Listen, don't get me wrong, I know that players have played in, like, the lower leagues in England and, and not had a successful time of it and come up to Scotland and, and hit gold. Uh, we'll see. But, there is again, there is nothing from uh, his past career to date that would encourage me from a... a if I was uh, a Dundee fan. I think the thing that's the least encouraging to me is Dundee's defence at the moment. So Dundee have conceded the joint most goals in the championship so far. Um, admittedly, it's still quite, you know, it's, there's not a huge disparity between the, I can't remember who it is that scored the, or conceded the fewest goals, but it's like 10 goals compared to Dundee's 14. So it's not a huge difference yet. But the games that Dundee have lost have been by chucking, letting Thistle chuck three past us, letting Callie Thistle chucked three past us, letting Cove Rangers chuck three past us, including one where Adam Legson seems to just like get frozen in midair before <laughs> collapsing to the ground. It was appalling. Um, but for me, a lot of this goes back to the decision that was taken. So there was a point, I'm struggling to remember exactly when it was, but Dundee hit a little bit of consistency and it came at the same time, essentially, that Ryan Sweeney was out of the team um, because of his red cars. And when he was back available, instead of keeping with the system that we had, things got shunted around all over the park. It was similar to, actually reminded me a lot of McPake's time, when you're putting square pegs in round holes, instead of just doing the obvious thing that has been working. And that resulted in Inverness Cali Thistle running over us and Sweeney oh. just having yet another nightmare. And It's still McPake's team though, isn't it? Like This really still is James McPake's team. It's, so, and it, that's... So I always I always wonder about teams who don't have who don't kind of fumigate the place when they have a really bad season and get relegated. So yeah. uh, I mean bear in mind this is well, you'll know better than me, but it, it feels like and maybe there has maybe there was a bigger overhaul last summer than I remember, but this feels like largely a team that or a, a, a fair number of the team that got promoted from the championship. I mean, certainly the so as far as I'm aware, 
from the defeat against Cove Rangers on Tuesday night. Certainly three of the back four were players that were in that, that championship team. And like I, I think maybe a wee bit much is made of the, the Dundee team in the championship. I mean, they, they finished, I know it was on the last day of the season, but they finished second behind Hearts. Yeah. the last day? That was right, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, I mean, they were... We were in second high. going into that game, but essentially, yeah, it was only yeah. confirmed on the final day. Ah, but, but, but for, the, for the bulk of that season, they, they didn't look particularly great. And I suppose ultimately they got to that position because of Charlie Adam. So, and Jason and, Cummings hitting a, hitting a and, and, solid no, You're street. right, Jason Cummings. I, I kind of forgot about him. So, there's a, there's a large amount of players who are still there from that okay championship team. But minus Charlie Adam, minus Jason Cummings, and I think Gary Boyer said during the summer at some point that he felt like he still needed four actual starters, no, no bench fillers, not squad players, four starters. That hasn't really happened. And I, I remember when, I appreciate it's a different situation, but I was very surprised at how many players Wraith kept hold of when they got relegated after the Gary Lock. Uh, John Hughes for Ago. I, I I was very surprised at how many they, they kind of gave new deals to or didn't release. And then Barry Smith spent all his budget on Liam Buchanan and, and Greg Spence and it, it didn't quite work out as, as as was hoped. But I always think that when a team has had a really bad season, just because they've been relegated, it doesn't necessarily mean that they'll be able to turn it on against Inverness or Partick. Don't get me wrong, I expected you to beat Cove Rangers in midweek. But when a team has been stinking for nine months, I suppose losing becomes a habit. And maybe it's a psychological thing, I don't know, because I do think on paper Dundee have a decent team. And I remember when I was uh, just after the race Dundee game, uh, it starts back at Dundee 1 1 now. I was on the Up with the Bunnets podcast. Yeah. That's right. Uh, and we, we, we spoke about the positives about Dundee. But then it was funny, we started talking about the negatives. And we, we essentially went through every single part of the team and it was like, hmm, not sure about the goalkeepers. Defensively, hmm, midfield, hmm, don't know if you have a goal scorer. And like, like almost every single part of that still hasn't been fixed. And I kind of thought it would have been by now, but it looks like there, isn't, there hasn't been the money to spend on it. The money certainly hasn't been forthcoming. And I, I do wonder if, it's a psychological thing about the fact that they weren't great last season. They're not in a good place. There hasn't been a refresh of the squad. And even though it still looks like a decent team for championship, it's still not there. Like it, it, there needed to be more of a, a kind of turnover, I feel. I think, I don't think you're necessarily totally wrong. I think that there's a couple of... But, but, just, but, just, but just very wrong. Just very wrong. No, no, no. Uh, there's a few things that I think have conspired against us a little bit. So one is the way that Gary Boyer has gone about signing players and securing players. So before the start of the season, I think most Dundee fans would have said, we need a new left back. We need at least one, if not two, new centre halves. We need a striker. We need a number nine. And we need options on the wing. But what's happened, or what my take is on what's happened, is that to a large extent, the club seems to have decided to focus on the academy players coming through. And it's worked 
a little bit. Um, similar to your stat on Pi and Bovril, there was a stat that I saw on Twitter that I think something like 12 of Dundee's 14 goals this season have had the involvement of an academy player. So that's uh, Josh Mulligan, Lyle Cameron, who's our top scorer at the moment, um, Max Anderson, who only just came back into the team against Cove, Cammy Kerr, um, who else? Well, those are the ones that immediately spring to mind anyway. And that's all well and good, but I don't know the extent to which decisions have been taken, which is basically, you're not bringing in a player unless you can prove that that player is better than the academy graduates, essentially, that we have that are coming through. And whether or not that stymied the the sort of flow of new players in. As well as that, you've got to look at what Gary Boyer's done. So he's brought in, he paid a fee for Tyler French from Wrexham. I don't know what the fee was, but Dundee paying a fee for anybody's a bit wild. And Tyler French has been all right, but, you know, yeah. he's all right with a sort of mm, screwing up the face. You know? but, but I mean, the, fact you said, the fact you said all right and then kind of shook your head left to right and then, and then screwed up your mouth would suggest it's possibly not all right. It's not all right, given that <laughs> the other the other choices that have been made are to bring in Simon Gray. Uh, is it Simon Grayson? That's terrible. Um, but bringing in Grayson anyway, who we have on loan from League Two Barrow, and can either play left back, centre mid, or at the back. Which immediately, whenever I see a player can play in three positions, I get a little Joe bit scared. Joe Grayson, he's Simon Grayson's son. That's Simon what got mixed son. up. Um, a utility he, player. Yeah, he looked good against our growth, who we'll come on to speak about a little bit. But that's it. And essentially, he has sidelined Sean Byrne. And I don't really think that that is a swap that has worked out well. Zach Robinson's been all right up top. Obviously, we've still got to see what Derek will say yours like. Don't like I had the chaos factor, uh, Robinson, when I've, I've seen him a couple of times. Yeah. And, but he's a young player. Again, he's 20 or 21 on loan from Wimbledon who might recall him in January. And if he's recalled in January, we're left with Killian Sheridan coming back from injury. Alex Shakubiak, currently injured. Uh, Derek Oseyo, um, who I'm building up to be some player now. But we don't actually, we literally do not have anybody with a number nine shirt. At left back, he clearly, he being Gary Boyer, has clearly said that Jordan Marshall is not the answer. So he's trying out Jordan McGee at left-back, which worked okay for one game and not so okay for the next game, um, because believe it or not, Jordan McGee is not left-back. So... Like, Jordan Marshall's fine as a left-back in the Championship. Like, he'll, never be a, he'll never be a world-beater, but he'll yeah. generally be... He'll, he'll be a 6 out of 10. But I'm, I, I'm not entirely... I, I, I thought dropping him was odd. I'd... I'd don't get me wrong, I, I'm not sure he's necessarily uh, a starting left-back for a, a, a team that wants to win the championship. However, I, I, I don't think I've ever seen him and I was like, he's been stinking. Yeah, but this is the sort of square pegs into round holes thing that's going on. And I think the, the fact that there are so many clear and glaring recruitment needs that were not fulfilled... Um, what is not quite clear is how much of that relies on the Jay Chapman saga. I don't know if you've been across this, but Jay Chapman was signed from as a free agent. He was at Inter-Miami. Uh, he was earning $3,000 a week 
at Inter Miami, and Dundee signed him. He was Dundee's highest paid player for the year he was with us. He made two appearances, undefeated, because uh, he came off the bench twice in draws to Motherwell and United. In the summer, when he was called uh, back for pre-season training, he, the story goes that he put his passport through the wash they couldn't get a fresh passport. And that's that, that's, that sounds like, that like something that somebody would say that didn't want to come to Dundee again. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, uh, call me naive. Passport in the washing machine. Can you get a new yeah. one? Uh, no. I, I could, but that'll just end up in the washing machine too. You know what I'm <laughs> like with my passport? <laughs> and essentially, I mean, it's not quite clear what's happened. I think basically there's been a dispute between him and the club, which has gone on and on and on. And finally, he has been released. Um, apparently, no money has been paid for his release, um, which makes me think that perhaps he was released against his will and he maybe um, took action to try and claim some well, contract money, which did not happen. Well, listen, listen, hopefully, hopefully it cost the club an absolute foot, an arm and a leg in wages. Uh, that, that's yeah. what I hope. I mean, it certainly did before the summer because you would imagine that he was at least getting his wages matched compared to what they were at Inter Miami. And as the club's highest yeah, paid player. I mean, if he's on three grand a week at uh, Inter Miami, he's not coming to Dundee for £500 a week. No, he is not. And so my hope is that at least, even though we can now only sign free agents because it's after October the 1st, my hope is that the money that has been saved there or is being saved can be put towards putting some of the young players on longer contracts because basically all of the young players that I'm excited about all of them, that's two, um, Lyle Cameron and Josh Mulligan, they both are out of contract at the end of the summer, which means in a couple of months' time, other teams can sniff around them and snap them up. And that would be just our luck, because Lyle Cameron's been the, the one wee gleaming diamond in a season that has been an inconsistent and muddy field so far. Um, top scorer at the moment, he is he's must only be about 5'2", five 5'3", five but he's he's got a that low centre of gravity that means he doesn't easily get bounced off the ball. And I think the fact that he has now forced his way into the team um, at the expense of Niall McGinn, who is now, I think, our highest paid player sitting on the bench, not playing. Um, well, either speaks volumes about him or about how much Niall McGinn's rated. Uh, the last time I saw him play for Dundee, he came off the bench against Cali Thistle and didn't really look bothered. Um was not chasing the ball down as a fresh pair of legs. I wasn't best pleased. So that inconsistency is probably going to keep us at most looking, uh, as we did the season with Rupake, looking at the, the playoff spots, sort of bouncing in and out of them. And the most that we can hope is that, I say we, me, you certainly won't be hoping, um, but I'll be hoping that there's a bit of a run after January with some new players coming in. But enough about Dundee. Um, let's go a little bit further down. So, as you said at the outset, Sean, the Championship does seem to be splitting a little into two mini-leagues, and we might as well speak a little bit about Wraith Rovers, um, who seem to be fairly firmly ensconced in the bottom half of the table. And I think you've got a little bit of fear that Wraith Rovers are doomed to a relegation battle. So, well, so we're, we're going to talk about Wraith Rovers. Do you want to talk about Queen's Park? I, I was quite happy to talk about the fact, oh, well, we just go straight to Wraith Rovers and, and not discuss the Spiders. Um, it's up to you. Do you feel uh, Do you feel ready to launch into Wraith Rovers just yet? Or do you, uh, do you, know, to... so, you know, so let's talk about Queen's Park. Uh, just because okay. I saw them on Saturday and I was out, I was briefed, uh, but I was 
I was reasonably impressed by them. And uh, it was interesting in terms of... So it's funny, I, I, I was there... I was there reasonably early, I suppose. So I was watching it. I quite like getting there like a minute to three. I have no interest in being in a stadium 20 minutes before a kickoff. I, I, I just, I, I, I'm not interested. But anyway, regardless, I was there a wee bit early and I was watching uh, the, I think he's been capped 13 times by Nigeria. Stephen, I think it's Eze rather than Easy. Easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, one of their coaches was specifically just basically kind of kicking the ball into the air and getting him to head it. And he was absolutely terrible at it. Like, it was, it was like every header that he had was going miles away from the coach. And he would, so I think he's six foot six, and he would launch himself at it eventually. But just, I'd, I'd, I'd literally turn around and went, this guy is hopeless, and he can't head a football. And he actually seems quite scared of heading a football. It's been made you like a like a, a, a kind of Nigerian giant. Like presumably you should be okay with heading a football. I, I, I don't know. Like you're, you're massive and you're tall. Uh, just just head the ball. It's it's not that hard. Uh, and then the game started. Rafe Rover started very well actually. And Eze looked terrible. Like I was getting <laughs> I was getting massive negative vibes off him. And I know Queens Park fans have been. Like, you know when you go in Pine Bovril and fans are on the fence about a new signing? Yeah. Like, that's that's not a good sign because the reason they're on the fence isn't because he's played well at points and, and poor at points. It's because he's been playing poor, but they just don't want to quite jump into the negative basket at that point. Uh, I, I, I watched his highlights from some of the other games. I, I thought it was rubbish. It was absolutely rubbish. And the first 15 minutes of the game on Saturday, he was terrible. Like, under no pressure, he would just shank it out of the park. And, like, it was, he was kind of losing out of possession. And his first touch wasn't very good. And then, and Queen's Park got a corner. Uh, and it was like a free header. Like, we, we didn't really have anybody that could challenge him at the back. And he, it looked like he missed a free header in the six-yard box. I was like, my goodness, we, we got off lightly there. The Queen's Park had something like 10, 11, 12 co- corners unanswered. We, we didn't force any corners until quite late in the game. Almost every single one made its way to his head. And wouldn't you, wouldn't you know it, he eventually got one on target. But the thing is, uh, from about the, maybe, maybe 20 minutes onward, he was, I thought it was excellent. Like there was a there was a shift in momentum. I don't know what it was. I don't know if he if it was something that he'd done well. I don't know if it was some bit of momentum that he managed to kind of uh, kind of channel into. But for about seventy minutes, he was excellent. So like he was very good. So I think he will be. I'm not entirely. I'm, I'm still not entirely sure he's good. Like he was able to he was able to bully the race forwards. That doesn't necessarily mean he's good. But it was very good on Saturday. Uh, so what I love is I think he will be a kind of cult hero for the Spiders fans. And in terms of who I, I, I was genuinely impressed by, don't get me wrong, I was, I was impressed by uh, Eze as well. But he probably wasn't up against that much in terms of the race uh, forward line. But I did enjoy Malachi Botang, who they got on loan from Crystal Palace. He 
again, can started, started maybe reasonably slowly, I suppose, because the, the Wraith midfield started the game quite well. Queen's Park eventually grew into it though and, and absolutely well like, deserved a win. And he was he was a player I was I was very impressed by. Broke up play, uh, won a load of tackles, made a load of interceptions, uh, and bear in mind Wraith have a bear in mind Wraith have a, a good a good midfield by championship standards. Don't know, don't know very much else by championship standards. <laughs> but it was interesting that, that kind of Dylan Easton and uh, Aidan Connolly had probably their poorest games. This season, and I do think that uh, that, that Botan was a uh, was a reason for that. Very real loss of tackle. His his uh, his passing was pretty good. Uh, I was I was impressed by him. Uh, there wasn't there wasn't that much between the teams. Queens Park, uh, Queens Park. Uh, their, their chances were mostly set pieces uh, and what have you. It was, it was a kind of scrappy game. However, I I, I think Eze. Will be a cult hero. I think Botang will be a very impressive player for them this season. And I think they'll be there or thereabouts in the playoffs. That 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 game in midweek against Morton, that defeat in midweek, surprised me. Uh, I, I didn't see that coming at all, actually. But I I think I'll still pick them for finishing fourth. I, when I looked up, you'd mentioned Stephen Eze to me, so I looked him up and I thought, how has he ended up at Queen's Park when you look through his clubs? But then, with a little bit of sleuthing, I realised, wait a minute, Jam Shedpur. I recognise that name. Owen Coyle. <laughs> and of course, um, I mean, his his clubs are terrific because he's got a, a lot of, you know, fantastically named Nigerian sides. Then he makes a jump over to Bulgaria, as you do. Um, I think it's Bulgaria, Kazakhstan, then the Indian Super League with Owen Coyle, then Croatia, and then the south side of Glasgow. So... Do you know something? He's a, he's a good laugh. Like, I think he has. I think he has 13 caps for Nigeria. Like, I mean, yeah, it's no. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, I haven't checked uh, Nigeria's uh, world ranking recently. They may be, uh, they, they may be going through a, a difficult period. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, like, 13 caps for Nigeria, like, you must have something. But, but certainly, and, and see, in terms of the warm up, I was, I, I, genuinely, I was laughing. I was like, my goodness, he's rubbish. First 50 minutes. Confirmed my opinion, and then the next 70, uh, uh, 75 minutes, I was like, oh, actually, maybe all right. Speaking of exceptionally tall central defenders, have Wraith Rovers signed the Fairies fella that you were stalking on Instagram yet? Uh, so the rumor is that it may be on his way. Uh, the rumor is that they may have a visa. He's, he's not a centre half, though, he's a centre forward. Well, let's just see how Race Rovers use him when he comes. <laughs> uh, who knows what your money's plan for him? He's six foot eight. He is uh, he is two inches taller than uh, Stephen Aze. So uh, listen, uh, uh, what a game that would be! Those two battling. It'd be yeah, like Transformers uh, do, going at it. At least, uh, at least if uh, at least if Fredrickson had, had been around on Saturday, they may have something they could have marked him. Uh, but I, I listen. I, I don't. I, I, I genuinely couldn't care if Fredrickson is any good or not. The fact we have a, a four cap Faroese international six foot eight striker, fine, fine. He, he could he could literally play ten games, be dreadful in all of them, and leave. I'd still be I'd still be quite keen on him. 
just because it means that Wraith Rovers kind of appeal for uh, postponement of fixtures because of international call-ups. No, it's just cool. It's just cool. <laughs> you just want a you just want a weirdly proportioned Faroese international player play for you. Surely you do. By any stretch of the imagination, it's absolutely class. But let, let's speak a little bit about the players that are currently uh, at the San Sarco. Briefly, do you think, please, briefly, very briefly, um, what is your take on how Ian Murray is doing so far at Kirkcaldy? Do you think that Wraith Rovers have enough to to escape this season and try and rebuild a little bit? Uh, so I suspect that. So I, I don't necessarily blame Ian Murray as such. However. If you looked at that team from last season, uh, defensively, they weren't great, but they had good fullbacks. Uh, oh, well, Liam Dick was okay, and uh, Regan Tamote was very good. They replaced Regan Tamote with Ross Mallon. Ross Mallon's tripe, right? So right away, there's a downgrade. Right away, there's a downgrade. But the thing is, uh, going, back, going back two seasons, the, the width, and that team was created by Kieran McDonald on the left and Regan Tomlinson on the right. So, so that's where all our, word, our, our majority of our work came from. We now have two fullbacks who either don't want to do it or can't do it. So right away, that's an issue. Uh, we've signed Scott Brown from Peterhead. I've been okay with him this season. Is he that much better than Ross Matthews? Maybe. Maybe, I'm not sure. Is he that much better than Brad Spencer? I, I don't think so. Neither of them are, are now getting in the team because of Ian Murray's signing. Uh, I like I like Dylan Eason. I, I think he's been one of our better players this season. Based, it, it feels like he's he's used a, a big chunk of our budget, and I do think our budget has been reined in a, a lot this season. He's used a lot of our budget on midfielders. The midfield was the best part of Rovers team and has been for a while. We we needed defenders. We, we we desperately need strikers, and he let Kyle Benedict just go. The Fellow fans are, are very keen on him this season. He allowed Frankie Masonda to go. The United fans are very keen on this season. Now I actually quite like the two young centre halves that he's brought in, Ryan Nolan and uh, I always say it's first name Connor Connor O'Reilly from Crew on loan. I, I like them, but they barely played any games this season. So so that felt like a big rough. Uh, sorry, they barely played any games between them until this season. Uh, Nolan has been playing the kind of reserve squads at, at big teams in Europe, to be fair, uh, and been injured. And O'Reilly had about 11 PMCs for crew. They've been okay. They've been okay. Have there been an upgrade on Benedictus and, and Musonda? Uh, no, no, they've, they've been okay, but they're not an upgrade. Uh, they've not necessarily been worse, but. They're not an upgrade either. Uh, so now it kind of feels like we're relying on a, a gig- the, the world's largest person from the Faroe Islands and Lewis Vaughan. Now, I so I, I love Lewis Vaughan, right? Genuinely love him. And I, I don't know if I've ever wished for a footballer to, to be able to just go on and have two or three, four or five Season games in- injury free two or three four five games. <laughs> no, no, I'd like him to get longer than that. Uh, but it, it, it kind of feels like we're now relying on Tom Lang, who's coming back for an ACL. Uh, 
Lewis Vaughan is coming back from a, a fourth ACL to, to, to improve this team, and, and they will, like they will, but whether they can sustainably improve this team because of what the French Now, speaking to people at the club, they're apparently really happy with how Vaughan's progressed and they're, they're reasonably confident he's, he's in a good place. Likewise with, likewise with Lang. But, my goodness, I mean, like, they don't score goals and, and they can't keep clean sheets. I mean, they, and I think almost all of race defeats this season kind of sum up where they are. They kind of feel like a team that's incomplete. They're not a bad team. They're not a bad team by any stretch of the imagination. But you're not going to out midfield everybody. Like you need, I mean, need to keep clean sheets, yeah. and you need to score goals, and and they're not scoring goals, so that's that's going to ham, that's going to that's going to kind of hamstring them. Uh, and I honestly, at this moment in time, I, I think they're in the relegation equation. Of course, another team that is very much in the relegation equation is our Broke Football Club, and I wanted to come to you with a with an indecent proposal. Um, I don't know if I'm coming to you. I should go to fair awareness with this indecent proposal. I I would I I dread to think of somebody going to fair awareness yeah. and indecent proposal. But um, I can't. By the way, I cannot get his Martin Spencer adverts out of my head. Have you seen them? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I have. Have you not? I'll find the link. He, he speaks at length and very um, passionately about his strawberries. Um, potentially from, because from Martin Spencer's. Yeah, he supplies Marks and Spencers with strawberries. Well, that's fine. I mean, I mean, I mean, okay. I mean, whether his, whether his, uh, whether his Angus tones would make me want to buy them, I don't know. But there we go. I'll I'll take that out for you. Um, but know, no, like, my... I'm, I'm thinking about like like previous uh, previous Marks and Spencers and such. It's like dun, dun. There's no Fleetwood Mac over him like, going, I like love my strawberries. Like there may be like, like, like a knife through a sticky toffee pudding and there's like, like sticky toffee sauce being poured all over it. It's basically, it's basically sex but in food form. I don't know if I'm getting that vibe from Fermanus. Just, you know, strawberries, pummets of strawberries getting chucked into the North Sea. Uh, no, um, my indecent proposal is Dick Campbell is now the second longest serving manager in the SPFL. He's been at um, Arbroath now for six full seasons, a little bit more. I don't know if it's fair to say that things seem to be coming to a close there because the the drop-off from last season has been intense. And obviously, part of that is bound to be that Arbroath came so close to a historic feet and they just fell at the final hurdle. You know, they were 15-20 minutes away from being top going into the final day and then it just all collapsed in from there. If I was to play a little bit of shuffleboard, what I'm wondering is, would Dick Campbell want to cement his legacy by not taking our growth down? And instead, going to going back to um, another Angus club where he spent about six or seven years before, who are currently suffering a little bit, and go to Forfar. <laughs> and here's I can't remember who I was to Forfar. Yeah, but from the championship to the 
So literally, well, almost the bottom of League Two. How did you do that? I don't know. I don't know what I'm <laughs> suggesting. Silly idea. What a stupid idea. This will surely be Dick Campbell's. This will be Dick Campbell's final job in, in, in football. I can't imagine him taking another one. Uh, I think he would, even if I broke about a, a disastrous season in the championship this, this season, which isn't which isn't guaranteed. Like they, they may be fine, they may come good. They've got players to come back. They have injuries at this moment in time in terms of like like Tom O'Brien's injured and things like that. Uh, I, I don't. I, I think they're similar to race and they don't have a striker worthy of the name. No. Uh, I, I think players who were. I mean, like, there are rumours about. Well, is everything all all well behind the scenes? Because like Nicky Lowe's left. Nicky Lowe was key mm-hmm. last season. Uh, uh, Jason, I've forgotten his name. Uh, Gold. Jason Gold. No, no, no. Jason. Jeez, uh, oh. Uh, uh, Jason Thompson, yeah, sorry. Uh, I, I'm not saying he was key, but again, he was, he was a good player last season. And it's fine this season, and I know he's getting on a bit, but I, I, I thought it was fine. I, I, I thought they should have kept him. If, if he was keen to be kept, and I, again, I don't think he or Nicky Lowe was, but players like Mikey McKenna, for example, seems to have, his, his performance level seems to have dropped. The defence in general, the majority of them are over 30. Their, perform- their performance levels seem to have dropped. And that, that defence was key. However, they've still brought in Dylan Tate. They've still brought in Scott Allen. The Scott Allen hasn't started well at all. He mm. has not started well at all. Uh, make him good. You would imagine they still would come good. Uh, but then whether they can make reverse passes to no strikers, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I am not entirely sure. Uh I, I, I thought Arbroath would not necessarily struggle this season, but I didn't have it come anywhere close to yeah. the performances of last term. I, I, I'm not going to say I'm worried about them because I couldn't care less. But uh, even if they're rubbish, Dick Campbell will be there till the end of the season, and that might that might he might he might decide to, to kind of call it a day at that point. But I, no, I, I think Arbroath will be his his final his final team. Part of my other um, swapper in there was that you know should Kevin Thompson just accept that he can't just keep saying he's getting interviewed for jobs in the Premiership and maybe just take a job like Arbroath if it came up? I you know what I, I think you know what I think Kevin Thompson should do uh, stop being <laughs> stop being rubbish at interviews. Yeah, or just try and get a job that doesn't require an interview, one or the other. Or you could do mock interviews. I don't know who with. Just try who, who keeps inexplicably getting jobs that just we can set up and mock interviews with? Uh, if you speak to his, if you speak to his, his, his previous colleague Barry Ferguson, he seems to uh, he seems to get jobs okay. There you go, mock mock interviews with Barry Ferguson. What a world we live in. Well, let's um, let's go where at the moment it looks like our growth could be heading, which is League One and have a little look at the title race there. I think before the season started, people were picking out Dunfermline, Falkirk, Queen of the South, Airdrie, perhaps, as the, the teams that might be going for it. Um, at the moment, is it fair to say that Dunfermline are doing better than you necessarily would have thought they were under McPeak, but that you don't think that they will necessarily end up, certainly at least winning the title? Whether or not they come up through the playoffs is another matter entirely. But 
you don't I'm, think they're destined to to lift silverware? I'm doing better than I expected. Uh, duller than I expected. Like they're just really, really dull. And I suppose, I mean, it's probably it's probably not the greatest time to talk about their defence, but like the defence has been really good this season. They've kept, they've kept a lot of clean sheets. They've uh, they generally keep teams at arm's length. I mean, obviously, Mitchell on Saturday they conceded two goals from the 87th minute onwards to allow Peter Head to, to to gain a point at Eastern Park. But generally speaking, defensively they've been sound. They don't have Winter in the team, although I admit that they've brought in uh, they've brought in a couple of players this week, who James and Pick assures us is uh, a quick and so it's Robbie Mann, I think he's a right winger from Motherwell and uh, other player who's brought in his name, I'm sorry, his name escapes me. Uh, but he is it Taylor Sutherland, maybe? That he's brought in. I, I genuinely can't remember. Uh, no, sorry, it was Kane Richie Hosler. Uh, however, he's again he's been brought in from Rangers, and as far as I'm concerned, young players coming alone from Rangers and Celtic doesn't work out. However, oh, he see has, Josh McPeak. He has assured us uh, anybody that's listening that he now has white players who have pace. And to be fair, they've, they've needed that because they, they don't have width in that squad. Whether bringing in a couple of uh, teenagers on loan, uh, no, actually, uh, Richie Hose was twenty, so so they're not teenagers. Uh, whether bringing in young guys on loan. Uh, whether they can make a dent in that kind of starting lineup, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. We'll, we'll need to see. But there's something, there's something quite remiss about this Dunfermline squad. I mean, McPake has has certainly been frustrated all season. Now, actually, all through the summer, even before the season started, you could tell that he wasn't entirely enamoured at the makeup of the squad. There's a lot of young players in it. Hadn't brought in, hadn't brought in that many players in general. Uh, and although I think defensively they have solidity, they are quite they're quite dull. And that uh, it's weird because you look at the, the forwards at the team, and it feels like there should be enough there, like Craig White in League One, Kevin O'Hara in League One, Nikolai Todorov in League One. All right, Lewis McCann. There's no like a wealth of evidence that he's necessarily going to have a a fantastic career. But that feels like an okay forward life to leave one. But, but we've yet to see it. So actually, maybe maybe they're not good enough. Maybe that's not necessarily anything that, that, that McPake is doing wrong. Maybe it just as a, a squad of forwards who aren't good enough. Uh, but I'm not entirely sure that's going to be good enough to, unless you can change something, uh, whether it's now, whether it's in January, I'm not entirely sure that's going to be good enough because I look at the teams coming up behind them and I think they might have a wee bit more about them. I think the other thing that strikes me about Dunfermline is, you know, yes, they're unbeaten at home, but three of those five games have been draws. And the problem is that in if you're looking to win the title, regardless of the league, you've really got to be maximising your points at home. And I and don't think any really team in start, League One... Very really than, start there. They didn't really have a good first half. I don't know why that is. Like maybe maybe it's nothing. Maybe it's just a coincidence. But they very rarely start games well, which is which is weird enough. That says much, I don't know if that says much about uh, about how McPake start uh, sets his team up. I have to check to see if they've improved after he makes a sub, or maybe it's his halftime talk that inspires him. I don't know. 
but they, they very rarely have good first halves, which is just odd. But from memory, that was essentially what happened at Dundee, and it was often fixed by substitutions. And it was usually the case that you'd look at the team lineup and go, "Why is he doing that? Shouldn't he be? Shouldn't he have X player on instead of Y?" And then that would happen, and most of the crowd would go, "You should have done that. Should have done that to begin with." Um, so it seems to be a lot of correcting glaring errors, but if you look at the the league table at the moment, the, the thing that I think would surprise a lot of onlookers would be that um, I still don't like using this name, FC Edinburgh are sitting pretty at the top after squeaking up through the playoffs last season. They've um, started like a, a runaway train, um, which funnily enough would be able to fit around the, uh, the athletics track that goes around their stadium. I don't know if I've ever seen, and, and, and just with apologies because we, we were recording this on Thursday, I'm never entirely sure what makes the a view from the terrace because we recorded on a Wednesday. So we did talk about FC Edinburgh uh, on Wednesday. Whether I'm actually sure or not, I have no idea. So apologies if, I'm, if you watch that and then we're going over old town. But I, I do wonder if FC Edinburgh are the new Montrose. And to be fair, I say that when like Montrose had quite a good result during the week against the Airdrie. Because I, I, kind of, I wasn't entirely sure that Montrose was going to be as good this time. Uh, they, they, they might be okay. But I, but I don't know if I've ever seen such a disconnect between what's happening off the park and what's happening on the park. Like the, like the name change was announced on a, a Facebook Live event. So probably, <laughs> so probably that was like somebody logged into onto Facebook and in between an uplifting meme and a a, a shared competition about winning sausages from a butchers in Thornton. You watched that your team had just changed their name to a really terrible name. Like it's a terrible way to announce it. Then the fact that they moved into a stadium that quite clearly isn't fit for purpose. I mean, that summer was embarrassing. You're an Edinburgh fan, and it shouldn't have been because they got promoted, and this should have been the most exciting time for them. And they were already a favourite, or one of the favourites to get relegated, and I didn't fancy them at all. But actually, the summer recruitment's been pretty good. Like, the recruitment's been good. Like, there's, there's been there's experience here in terms of, and don't get me wrong, like, I'm not seeing Liam Fontaine as like a, a, was a standout performer. I thought he was a busted flush at Dundee. Uh, but you know, someone, he's, he's got experience, he can talk. He can talk defenders through it. He has experience at a higher level. If you're playing alongside Liam Fontaine, even for like, even to start with, you're going to look up to him and have a bit of respect for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the signing of uh, James Cregan, I, I thought was excellent. Mm-hmm. Cregan can play anywhere. He can play, I've said he can play anywhere. He can play two positions. He can play, <laughs> no, actually, no, he can play three. He can play fullback. He can play wide midfield. And he can play centre of the park. But the fact of the matter is, whatever he plays, he'll probably give you 7 out of 10. And mm-hmm. he, I mean, I, I still think he could be getting a game for our growth, but regardless, he, uh, he's, he's went to Edinburgh. I thought Kieran McDonald at left-back was a brilliant signing. He was the best left-back in that league two or three seasons ago with Rafe Robbers. I, I thought that was a brilliant signing. And I now think Edinburgh have more than enough about them to stay up. And I would imagine that they are uh, that their ambitions have changed from trying to be eighth to, to to trying to get promoted. Like, why not? Like, that's, that's been Montrose's ambitions for the last few seasons. 
they've not quite managed it. And I do think that Edinburgh won't be able to keep up this. Uh, I mean, they have a happy habit of beating. Uh, they're like flat track bullies. Like they've lost to Dunfermline, they've lost to Falkirk, they've lost to Queen of South. They seem to be, they seem to be doing very well against everybody else. Whether whether they'll be able to sustain that, I'm, I'm not sure. I, I I do suspect that they might finish just outside the playoffs. However. As it stands, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they end up uh, if they end up in the playoffs. But, but like even the fact that they're still like starting games at Uzi C, like, like Uzi C is like it's always felt like somebody who is not bad at League Two, but suddenly it looks pretty good at League One. It's like where does this come from? Well, whether they can sustain it, I don't know. I hope so. I hope so. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I think they've done a lot wrong. I think they've done loads wrong, uh, and I think. They, they have a lot to, to, I think the board have a lot to make up when it comes to the fans. But listen, fair play to them. I, I, I think Alan Maybury, who was a, a surprise, bear in mind, they were fourth in League Two when Gary Naismith uh, got, got jettisoned. Maybury had no managerial experience. It seems to have quite a positive, positive uh, kind of mindset in terms of how he wants his side to play. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite chuffed for them this season. Of course, the the team that is or has struggled in League One for numerous seasons now is Falkirk, and even though they're currently out with the playoff positions, that's because essentially they play the game less um, than a lot of those teams above them. They seem to be under John McGlynn putting together a little bit of stability, and could this be the year that they finally actually escape purgatory? I. I know they're not in the playoff spots at the moment, and I think they'll win the league. Yeah, genuinely think they'll win the league. And if they don't win the league, I think they will. They will definitely be in the playoffs, and they'll they'll win the playoffs. I mean, it depends maybe who's who finishes ninth and ninth, ninth. Sorry, in the championship, but I, I no, I do. I, I think uh, I think we've had a good laugh at Falkirk's expense over the last four or five years, and I think this is it. And it, it just like as soon as I as soon as I was aware that Rafe weren't entirely certain about renewing John McGlynn's contract, I thought he was a perfect manager for Falkirk. Like he'd he'd already taken over the Rovers twice in this division when they were on their arse, dragged them up and got them promoted to the championship. On both occasions he uh turned them into a decent championship team, almost got them promoted first time around from the championship to top tier. Would have been the first division at the time. Second time around, didn't quite do as well as that, but in terms of a, 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 better, a, a good team to watch, I mean, the style of football was, was excellent. That, that season, they finished third. As good a football, as good a style of football as I've watched at Starts Park since Jimmy Nicol in the 90s. I mean, it was, I mean, it was genuinely excellent. And they seem to be reproducing that to a slightly lesser degree, I suppose, at Falkirk. But certainly, I, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the. I don't know if you've seen any of the the, the highlights from their game against Patrick Thistle. But they had a goal where uh, Roman Burrow scored. I think it was. I think it was the first. I feel like it was the first goal. Started right for the back, went left, went right. They zigzagged apart. They went from front to back, and they finished with Burrow. Like there must have been seven players involved. Burrow eventually finished. It was just a great team goal. 
and that's exactly what you had at Retro for second time around. Yeah. Guys like, uh, well, I think he signed well. I think like Stephen McGinn uh, manages to protect the back four. I think guys like Cole Donaldson, who in a poor Dunfermline team last season looked very good. I think Liam Henderson, who they brought in from our growth, is playing centre half, looks very good. So suddenly you have a, a triangle, two centre halves and a defensive midfielder. And teams like Falkirk have been very easy to play through for the last few years. That's not the case anymore. Like they're able to, they're able to build from that position and bully teams, bully forwards and not allow midfielders to, to get runs on the, the Falkirk defence, which has been easy, far too easy for the last few seasons. Up front, I still worry about them, but I'm still I'm still not sure about them. But he's also managing to get a a, a, a tune out of certain players who have been quiet or, or not as good. Like Callum Morrison, for example, has, has had a brilliant start to the season. Scored an incredible goal against Peter Head. Absolutely amazing. Uh, that the the, the Falkirk co committee are appeared to have an orgasm at, which I didn't really enjoy listening to. But regardless, it was it was a very good goal. They've had a slow start to the season. Uh, an, an, odd, an odd start this season. I mean, they got they got hammered by Airdrie. That was a weird game where basically everything everything Airdrie touched turned to gold, and everything Falkirk touched like like it, it wasn't. There didn't seem to be that much between the teams, but Airdrie ended up running away with it. So I that was a weird game, and I, I, at that point, I mean, as much as I laughed at it and I, I waited up until twelve o'clock on the Saturday to watch the highlights, like Falkirk was actually okay on the day. And they, I mean, what are they? They are, they're only, they're only, they're four points off the top at the moment, but with a, I, I, play the game less. So. I, I, I suspect Falkirk are going to win this league. Yeah. I mean, when Dundee played them in the League Cup, it was similar to what you said about the Erdre game. Dundee ran out 3 0 winners, but I don't know how, um, because Dundee were not that great, but things just happened. Uh, and Falkirk didn't deserve to be on the end of that. So I definitely think they're going to end up... I don't know if my judgment, such as it is, is clouded too much by my experiences of James McPake, albeit that he did manage to drag Dundee up uh, the hard way. But I I just can't believe that Dunfermline will win the title. But I can absolutely see a John McGlynn side winning the title. Having said that, I think I back Dunfermline to win League One at the start of the season, so, so they were just twisting in the wind. And I wondered if if Dunfermline maybe had a, a slightly better squad, but a poorer manager. However, I, I think since the transfer window closed, and then look at that focus squad. I mean, they, they were definitely lacking up front. Uh, they added Allegria. I was like, oh dear, I, I I don't think he's very good. He's actually been okay. And I, again, that might, maybe that's got something to do with McGlynn. Uh, but I think Burrow has been quite a good sign as well. So. I, I I think they're now squad like pound for pound. They'll have a better squad than Dunfermline, and I think they have a, a, a much better manager. We should probably move on to League Two because I feel I feel terrible that we're leaving a potentially intriguing title race yes, to right. to the very end. But at the moment, you can probably see three teams beginning to separate from the rest of the pack. Uh, those three being Dunbarton, who appeared to be running away with it. Southern Albion and uh, Craig Telfer's very own St. House Muir, um, while everybody else begins to just sort of merge into a bit of a blob underneath them. But I think common, I say common sense, maybe 
common wisdom, perceived wisdom would suggest that Dumbarton, who have already got a five-point cushion at this early stage in the season, should be looking to immediately bounce back up. But I, I think that you think it could hmm. be a little bit more complicated than that. I don't know how much of this is just you wanting to tempt fate and to annoy Craig Telfer, who will be sitting no, no. No, no. in his house no. punching the walls at you backing Stenny, but No, 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 no. So, so again, I, uh, so, so, sorry, we talk, uh, we, we spoke about uh, Dumbarton, Sterling Albion on the, on the show on Wednesday. So I, again, apologies if there's a, there's a crossover, but I, I don't know what makes it, but I think it's a massive game at the weekend for, uh, for both Sterling Albion and, and Dumbarton. I mean, let's just say, Dumbarton were never going to, they were going to win every single game. Like, I know they won the first seven games of the season, they then lost to Stranraer, and then on Saturday they drew with the Fawther Loons. I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying they're starting to fizzle out. I'm not saying that at all. But what I would say is, I think Dumbarton's squad is. I think those first seven games suggested that they were greater than the sum of their parts. I think they're functional. I think Stevie Farrell had them playing pretty well. They seem to be good at keeping clean sheets. They'd won a couple of games with like a penalty. Like kind of like winning by a penalty to nil. That that's fine. I mean you, you would say that, that their ability to, to grind out wins is is admirable. But we're never going to be able to sustain that for a for a long time. Now they are five points clear of still in Albion. They, they go to fourth bank this Saturday. It's it's a it's a massive game for both teams. I mean if Dumbart can get a win Go eight points through the Sterling and, and maybe perhaps Denny can go second. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, but looking at that squad, unless unless Farrell can continue to get more than what you would expect from it, I'm not entirely sure they'll be able to. I, I still don't fancy Dumbart to win the league. Uh, I suppose is what I'm saying. I think they have. I think they have one of the. I think they probably have the best goalkeeper in the league and, and Brett Long. Okay. I think a centre-half like Gregor Buchanan has had a good season. I think Joe McKee has been OK, but again, I'm, I'm not entirely sure. Uh, Ryan Wallace is a good striker at this level. However, it always feels like, it always feels like he can be quite destructive as well. Like It, it feels like he, he's quite money. Like he had a big fall at East Fife last season, so... Ali Love, kind of wide left. Yeah, he's decent at this level. Like everywhere, everywhere you go, uh, you look at the Dumbarton squad and you say, oh, he's okay. But again, you compare it to maybe Sterling Albion, who I think are far better players up front. You compare them to Steny. Uh, again, they probably have individuals that would, a, a number of individuals that would easily get in this Dumbarton squad. However, Dumbarton are stuffy. They are they're kind of playing to their to their strengths, and it'll be interesting to see if they can sustain this kind of form. I, I doubt it. I, I think they'll be. I, I, genuinely, at the start of the season, I thought Dumbarton could get promoted or finish tenth. I genuinely have no idea. Now they're not going to finish tenth. I'm still not convinced that they're going to go up. I mean, what I find quite interesting is that we we spoke about the off-the-field issues at Partick Thistle, who are top of the championship. We spoke about the top the off-the-field issues at FC Edinburgh, who are top of the league one. Stirling Albion are having their own issues as well. 
from last oh, month. It's it, it's a it's a very difficult thing to follow, um, because Scottish football governance is is not simple. But it seems to be the case that everybody left the club, and the trusts had to step in and appoint people to fulfil certain legal requirements and. Um, things don't seem okay at Sirlin Albion and there was also that strange situation I think was it last season when Kevin Rukovic left that there was a strange oh, statement and then there was something was again earlier this season about a physio something with a physio leaving and something well, bizarre and I, I, I don't know what is going on at that club but how behind they, the scenes I suppose it's how they I suppose it's how they how they bring things to the fans attention is slightly odd so Kevin Rukovic leaving the club and then being allowed to make I mean, a, a genuinely honest statement, I suppose, mm. and the club allowed them to do that on the website is, is unusual. I mean, again, admirable, I suppose, but it, it was unusual because it, it was it was very, very, very honest. Uh, and it was weird because I'd, I've never seen it done before. <laughs> but fair play to them. Uh, there has been a civil war that I don't really understand between the board and uh, supporters clubs that seems to have been on for a while. I've tried to keep up. It's, it's very difficult to, to keep up with. And it's quite dry, to be honest. But certainly behind the scenes, things aren't particularly well. Then there was the incident with the right incident with the, the physio and there was a weird statement that said that all the, all the players wanted the physio to stay. And then it was something like it was signed by, it just said something like, all of the Sterling Albion players. It was just a, it was just a, weird, just a weird thing. So rather than just have like every player named, it was just like like the kind of en masse uh, the, the Sterling Albion squad. However, even though there's been issues behind the scenes with the board, even though in the last season and beginning of the season, to be fair, uh, there were doubts about, and I am I'm probably going to get his first name wrong because my brain can never quite remember if it's Darren Young or Derek Young. It's Darren Young, isn't it? Darren, yeah. Yes, thank goodness for that. Uh, there were concerns about the, the kind of direction he was going in. They've, they're, they're doing pretty well. They've, they're unbeaten in four. They've won three of those. I think in, in forward areas, so, so I've, I've kind of talked about Dumbarton's got Brett Long and, and Gregor Buchanan's doing quite well at centre half. Up front is kind of where still in Albion. I, I think Excel, uh, Dale Carrick. I think he's been. A, I think he scored eight and set up about four this season. And Kai Fotheringham is the one where, if you've maybe been a fan of, I think it was Falkirk had a loan spell, and certainly Wraith Rovers, you might be surprised to know that he has had a, a fantastic loan spell at, at still in Albion. Certainly, Wraith his, his loan spell was cut short through through injury. He went back to United, but he looks a player. I mean, I, again, I appreciate that he's went from Dundee United to League Two, uh, but has I think he's been involved in four goals in five games. Some of his finishes, absolutely brilliant, uh, and he's he's really added something to Sterling since he he's came in alone. And, and I, I think he has a big reason as to why they've suddenly kicked on. But I I think Saturday is a is, is a massive game. I think Sterling will be in a win. A big bold call. To end a big bold podcast, um, <laughs> I, I think we've. I mean, obviously, there's numerous clubs um, that we've not really touched on. We've not looked at the in any depth whatsoever at the the bottoms of, of League One and League Two. Is there anything very quickly 
that you wanted to say about any of the, the clubs down near the bottom? Obviously, Peterhead continued to be Peterhead. Um, and I've already tried uh, to get one long-serving manager the boot uh, tonight. So do you want to try and do the same with Jim McAnally? Or? No, I, I, I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters what uh, Peterhead do. They can get relegated forever. And uh, Jim McAnally will, will retain his position. <laughs> Uh, Peter Head will finish 10th in League 1 and Albion Rovers will finish 10th in League 2 and I think Albion Rovers will get relegated which would be a shame because uh, as much as everybody slags off the stadium I quite like it I quite like it It's one of the few that I've not been to so I managed to get down to I think I've got 7 or 8 left to go and then Covid hit just as I was getting into the swing of it um, and one actually that I'd should be able to tick off quite soon is Falkirk. I've never been to the Falkirk Stadium and Dundee have drawn them in the next round of the SPFL Trust Trophy. No, no now you're Same. talking. I'd, uh, I'd, I'd completed the 42 last season but now I haven't been to I haven't been to Bonnyrigg I haven't been to uh, Meadowbank since it was turned into the worst stadium in the world. I was there when it was just a bad stadium and uh, I suppose I haven't been to Lesser Hamden but that, that's yeah. not finished, so so have I, I have I done forty of the forty two? I don't I don't know. But I have I've done forty of the forty two. Yeah, a couple to tick off anyway. Um but we are now going to tick off. Um we are not going to be the voices in your ears for a Patreon. That can be a nice surprise for you. So it's gonna be a surprise for us as well. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, unless you were unless you were supposed to do the Patreon I just uh, misread uh, Craig Fellow's uh, text, but I don't think so. I don't think so either. Um, if if you find out who it is, let us know, because um, we'll be very interested to find out. But um, obviously, um, I have been your Eamon Holmes um, today. Uh, Holly and Phil will be back with the next proper lower league. I feel it's better to compare you to daytime TV hosts than murderers, as seems to be a uh, great Telford well, reference. You know you know Telford has, Telfer has the murderers uh, or, uh, or oddly, oddly aged uh, people getting married. Like, he's already got that niche. Uh, Anna Nicole Smith and I can't remember Anna Nicole. Who was Anna Nicole Smith's husband? I was going to say Harrison Ford, but it's not. It's not <laughs> <laughs> that guy was about 92. Uh, anyway, regardless, uh, no, he already has that niche. So, I, I, daytime TV is absolutely fine for you. Good. I'll, I'll keep up. I'm going to have to do some daytime TV research because all I know is about two apparent queue jumpers and who really cares. So, we'll leave it there. Um, so, thank you very much, Sean. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for listening, dear listeners, and we will speak to you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.